Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of London Calling, our very own property podcast brought to you by Corico Professional Mortgage Advisors at www.corico.co.uk. My name is Andrew Montlake, you can call me Monty and I shall be your host to guide you through and investigate the very latest in the world of mortgages, property and the general financial world. This is London Calling. So we are already deep into 2016 and there's been a whole host of happenings in the property and mortgage markets. As we speak today, we are a week away from the Chancellor's next budget, which is bound to contain something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue, plus the usual so-called white rabbit that no one is expecting. Landlords who are already feeling battered and bruised from additional stamp duty and other tax changes, which will seriously affect their earnings in the future, are anxiously waiting to see if there will be any more beatings. We have also seen the latest incarnation of Help to Buy, the cunningly named Help to Buy London, which offers a 40% loan to buyers rather than the usual 20%. With the help to buy ISAs, start a home initiative and a government hell-bent on getting people to buy rather than rent, there is a concern that all of this demand-sided assistance is not actually helping the market at all. On top of everything, we have the uncertainty surrounding a possible Brexit. To discuss all of this and more, we are honoured to have one of the leading lights in the property world, Ed Mead, who is the executive director of London's prestigious estate agents, Douglas and Gordon. Welcome back, Ed. Hello, Monty. As ever, we also have Corico's managing director, Matt Lowndes, to jump in and offer his own thoughts. Hello, Matt. Hello, Monty. So, thank you both for coming here in this rather cosy little room where we are today. Um, First off, Ed... How has the year started for you and, and Douglas and Gordon? Is, is the London market feeling pretty robust or is it showing signs of fraying at the edges? Well, I suppose the first thing to say is that uh, demand is up. I mean, our figures for, yeah. I mean, the year on year are 60% up in terms of buyer numbers. So the registrations are there. People definitely want to buy. There's an appetite for it. But I think... Uh, we have to understand that we're coming off an unprecedented period of uncertainty. If you Mm. go back over the last couple of years, you've had Scottish referendum, you've had uh, really quite um, un-Tory-like autumn statements and budgets. The autumn statement last year obviously sprung the surprise on the buy-to-let market Mm. and stamp duty has been an ever-increasing burden. So, And now, of course, you've got Brexit, as you mentioned. So there are plenty of reasons why... Uh, things are still very uncertain. I mean, the, you know, the, the upshot for Douglas and Gordon is that uh, we have a very big rental side and that yeah. is flying. So, yeah. you know, those markets are clearly counter-cyclical. So if one downs, the other the other is up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, of course, the one thing that you guys know better than anybody is that uh, one of the other things that was happening at the end of last year was the uh, Bank of England pulling levers or supposed levers, and talking yes. about interest rate rises. And then you had the mistaken, I think most people would consider, rate rise in the in the US, which yeah. if I think if, if they could unwind that, they would. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't uh, be the first. Well, they wouldn't. No. And I think that uh, having talked about interest rates rising this year or the end of last year, you know, Mark Carney's finally thrown his arms in the air and gone, OK, it won't happen <laughs> until 2019. So I think the the all of the uncertainty will be underpinned in due course mm. by the, you know, the ongoing situation for low interest rates. Mm. The problem, of course, is that low interest rates uh, are a symptom of a, uh, 
dodgy economy. So, but for the markets that we work in, it has obviously been good news. Yeah. Um, and I'll just finish my sort of starting bit on this, really, to say that, of course, yes, all the, the demand side stimulus is great. What we need is a heavy duty um, impetus on yeah. the supply side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's interesting because there's been a there's been a lot of press about recently about buyers deserting the top end and foreign investors holding onto their money due to global issues. Have you have you seen any evidence of that? As, how's that? No, we haven't seen the supposed a rush to buy with the, to save the three yeah. percent. I think anybody that rushes to buy in our market is is mad. It's yeah. it's a market that needs careful consideration, um, and we haven't seen um, a rush to sell either um, for one very good reason if you take your money out of property where do you put it so yeah unless you're old and you really want to go and spend the money which is where i'll be in a few years time um uh, I you'll think never that, get old uh, well i think it's one of those sort of things where people just think what am i going to do with the money and leaving yeah. in property is still a very attractive proposition for people yeah um matt have you seen have you seen any any rush from the from the buy to let landlords to to either sell or no i mean we had a uh we had a record uh, February, so we did more mortgages than we'd ever done before, and our lending was nearly a hundred million. So, uh, but but I haven't seen. I, I mean, I, I think that's just almost maybe maybe a lot of the groundwork we've done over the last few years, rather than anything to do with any kind of supposed rust. Like Ed says, I haven't seen anything. I certainly haven't seen, you know, <clears throat> more inquiries from our estate agency partners or uh, landlords, sort of uh, desperate to get out. Or I mean, well, I know the Bank of England now claims that I think it's fifteen percent. We've talked about before one in eight of their uh, of their loan book is now buy to let yeah. landlords. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you, if you were to try and make an estimate for what your percentage of buy to let versus standard mortgages is, where would you, where do you think? Twenty uh, percent. Okay, well, that's pretty high, isn't it? Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, but the, obviously the company we used to work for was about 70, 80. So, uh, you know, we've we've very much went down the route of making sure we covered all bases. Uh, yeah. That's not a surprise, really. I mean, I was at a buy to let forum last week, and I think. I think it was 40, what was it, 30, 39 billion last year? Yeah, yeah, uh, just under 40 total billion. Total market yeah. was 220, so it has been on the up. It's, it's, it's the highest it's been for a... Yeah. Well, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. that sounds about right. And, yeah. and I think that... I, I think the issue for the Bank of England is that they seem to be convinced that if interest rates go up, all these buy-to-let landlords are going to head for the exit and cause a, cause yeah. a crash in the market, yeah. which is just mad. And... Um, I'm lucky enough to be one of the agents they talk to when they go around on their travels. And the last time one of their agents came to see us, uh, we were very clear about our experience, which goes back. I mean, Douglas and Gordon's been doing mortgages or not doing mortgages, pardon me. It's been letting properties on behalf of landlords since 1958. So we've got plenty of experience, people like us for that sort of thing. Um, and um, we discovered that... Uh, People buy for all sorts of reasons. They buy for their, for their kids, for the future. They buy for any number of different reasons. Absolutely. And they're not going to sell. You know, most people own one or two properties at the most. Mm. They really look after them. Um, and they're also, the, the other big important thing is that a lot of people that, that own property in London for, for buy to let don't uh, want to live off the income. They use the income they get to, if they're lucky enough to get any income, to yeah. s- to support the, the maintenance of the property. Mm. And it's the long-term capital growth yeah. after. So it's very different from what most people's view of Biden So where does all this come from? Because Sir John Cunliffe was the, was, the, was the latest person to come out and say that... Uh they're very worried about the buy-to-let sector, and as soon as interest rates go up, they could be a well, cliff Well, I think it's coverage. Because where do you guys find it? I mean, what is the, the your average mortgage coverage? So, in other words, is it 125, 130%? Well, I mean, the, the lenders will, will use 125% at 
an assumed rate of 5%, although recently a lot of them have lifted that to 5.5%. So that's sort of the average. But in London, that, that really only gets you around 60 65% loan to value with with most properties so that's that's the rent needs to be 125 percent of the mortgage payments yeah yeah and i think i I think that's where they're coming from i think that's what they're worried about is that 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 is the only guy well there there was a report last week wasn't there what we were at and they were sort of thinking of that that might go up to 155 in terms of stress testing those uh I think that's the point, isn't it? That they may train, they may change the. But then, then I think you know, there's there's an opportunity to maybe um, maybe the buy to let shouldn't always be on on the rental cover. Maybe it should be there should be some income based on it. So actually, you know, you look at the income of the individual who's who's taken out the buy to let, and if if you know they they can supplement it, then then it's not it's sort of, yeah. it's obviously not. We've seen a couple of lenders come out with that. So so Barclays are the are the latest who who have come out and actually they'll they'll use supplementary disposable income to help cover any shortfalls on on rental so which, so there is which that, they that may that well increasingly find yeah there are particularly in london where yields i mean if, you, if you're in london you're lucky if you're getting three and a half four percent yeah, yeah which for most people isn't particularly interesting yeah. you've, you've got to go out into the sticks to get five maybe even six percent yeah um but i think the issue of um cover mortgage cover is 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 a really important one i mean um i don't see how else other it's, it's interesting to hear that that you're saying that they're going to possibly have some supplemental income allowing. But, of course, our figures show, and I think the national figures show, that something like 55 even towards 60% of people that do buy-to-let are cash. So, yes, yes. you know, there again, that's another shows. reason to to yeah. suppose... And we don't know any of these figures, Ed, and obviously there's a hell of a lot of transactions uh, that, that go through in the London area, which is obviously specifically what we look after, that, that they've never touched a mortgage, so... Um, yeah, you know, uh, how, how, and I think isn't and the mortgage, the number of mortgage properties at the moment is the lowest it's been in. Yeah, in, in, is it record? Uh, it's it's yeah. pretty. I mean, that that's obviously there's a lot of people getting older and they're becoming unencumbered mm. properties, but obviously a lot less of the younger generation buying property. So yeah. it is as low as it's, it's been. Would well, that time. imply that there are more houses, own, more multiple owned properties, i.e., people owning more properties? Uh, not necessarily. Just rising in incomes, but, and... it, but yeah. And you've you've also got a whole uh, the baby boomers who are coming out. Well, I was just going to say probably baby boomers who've been sold off, uh, paid off their mortgages, and now they're sitting in there. And nice four or five bedroom houses. He says houses. smugly as a baby boomer. But <laughs> <laughs> so then, as you rightly pointed old. out, there's plenty of those baby boomers who then want to help their their kids or their grandkids get on the property mm. ladder. So, and bike let's perfect way to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. So yeah. So uh, actually, on that, do you do you think the buy to let? It's right to blame the buy to let market for. Pricing out first-time buyers. Is that are you are you seeing that in the state? Well, interestingly, level? if you if, if you look back, this is interesting, and not a lot of people think about this. If you go back a generation, I've been doing this for thirty-five years. So when I started this in the late seventies, early eighties, people had a very traditional path through property ownership. They <clears throat> they would buy a one-bedroom flat in Ballum, then they'd buy a two-bedroom flat in Battersea Park, then they'd buy a three-bedroom house in Clapham between the yeah. commons, they'd buy a four-bedroom house in Wandsworth, a five-bedroom house in Putney, and then move to the country if they wanted to. Yeah. Now, that was fine when stamp duty was 1%, because yeah. the moving wasn't particularly onerous. Now, the moment stamp duty started going up, which, let's face it, if you remember, it started to do so, I think it was Ken Clark started putting it up as a Tory chancellor, um, what you have now is great big holes in that. Very few people buy one-bedroom flats anymore. They want a two-bedroom flat. Mm. They won't go for the three-bedroom house. They'll go straight to the four-bedroom house. They'll stay in the four-bedroom house. They might add a loft or a side extension, maybe even dig a basement. Then they'll go to the country. So that five-chain movement has now really come down to two, possibly, or maybe three if you're lucky. Yeah. So 
the transactions are, are well down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and of course, the one-bedroom flats that's left a lot of slang. So, if a developer comes to me to, these days, and you know, at DNG we do a lot of new home stuff now. If they come to us and they say, "What should we be selling?" I would advise someone if they had a site where they could build three townhouses or twelve one-bedroom flats. I'm afraid I would say do the one-bedroom flats because they'll walk out of the door because there are really? plenty of people who want to invest in that sort of property. Mm. And provided you get it in the right place, they rent out really easily. Mm. So that's been the principal generational change. That's really interesting. Um, so at, at, actually, I asked this question at the, at the great buy-to-let debate the other day and uh, just interested to hear your views. Staying on landlords, are, do you think tenants are sufficiently protected from rogue landlords and should there be a license for landlords? Is there, is there room for any more regulation? Well, there? I think there's room for regulation of the agents. Mm. I think all agents should be regulated. I've always said that. I've been a passionate advocate for, for regulation mm. on the... I mean, I sit on the board of the property ombudsman, but a few people understand that the property ombudsman is merely a method of redress. So if something yeah. goes wrong with your agent, uh, you can then seek a financial award against your agent. But I think that uh, the the ridiculous thing is that lettings agents were only recently required to become members of a redress scheme when they're the only ones that handle cash. Yeah. So, so the ultimate uh, no no for an for a tenant is is an awful situation where you turn up to see your flat along with thirty other people. A rogue agent has set himself up, pretends he's letting a flat. Thirty people turn up. <clears throat> he takes deposits of a hundred pounds from all of them. Mm. And then disappears off into the into the night. That's ridiculous. There's nothing to stop people doing that at the moment. Yeah. And of course, what happens is, I mean, you know, we've been, you know, good to know for our clients for a very long time. We don't have that problem. We do not have that problem. And it's very, very rare that we see any any hiccups. And the mark in the market in general, it's very rare. But of course, it really hurts when it happens. So it gets a lot of adverse publicity. And what so that's seen, not necessarily the landlord then. That's actually a. a, a Maybe a dodgy letting agent. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that's exactly what it is, Matt. Rather than the landlord, it's it's much more. I mean, of course, there are always going to be one or two rotten landlords who do this sort of thing and 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 pick the wrong agents. But you can get things to do it right. You pick an agent who's a member of Arla. You you get a a proper bona fide above board agent. You're not going to have this problem. You know, you do get what you pay for. But I do think there's a real issue about about the regulation of the. You know, these guys handle cash. Yeah. And if you look at the ombudsman's figures, um, you know the, the. the property ombudsman now handles, I don't know, 90% of all the estate agents. So it's a pretty representative selection. It's a tiny percentage. I mean, they get, I forgot what the number is. I think it's something like 2,500 complaints annually about the lettings industry. Right. And bearing in mind there are, I think it's 1.25 million lettings transactions a year. That's a tiny yeah, amount. That is tiny. It's a yeah. tiny amount. And of those, only about 10% are upheld. Right. And of those, only a certain number on the landlord side. It's tiny. It's yeah. absolutely tiny. But those people give the industry a very, very bad name. I mean, you know, people outfits like Shelter do a great job for, mm. as, as charities. But a lot of these charities do a lot of political campaigning. And they, they, they do shout very loudly about this sort of thing. But And it scares a lot of people who are trying to rent. But in essence, it's not the case. You know, the, the industry is, is pretty well covered these days. Mm. And provided you pick a decent agent to do it, you should be all right. Um. And actually, on, on that point, just just finally, on on the, the sort of the new rental generation, I know Matt, you've you've talked about this before. Is is home ownership now not the be all and end all that it that it used to be? Is uh, do do you think we're we're moving 
away from that. Well, I'm an old fart monty. I'm in my 40s, so I don't know. But in just, just looking at how my kids interact with technology and I don't think ownership's a huge uh, huge thing for them anymore. You know, they, they don't own records, they don't own music. You know, people buy their cars on higher purchase. Like yeah. That. Uh, are people sort of that desperate to own a property like they were or they just want somewhere to live? Somewhere nice, safe, secure. They're not going to get ripped off by a dodgy letting agent or whatever. I, I You know, I think... I think for me, you know, we you, know, you and I walked past the Olympic Village, didn't we, on yeah. Friday night? And, yeah. um, you know, and there was this lovely student block then. You're just thinking, do you know what, if there's some, like, key workers in London and you only actually wanted to live in a room or buy a room, maybe actually that's the way forward for, for, for some people when they're sort of starting out rather than having to go down the mm. hole, share with your mates in a big house. And, you know, it, it, I don't, for me, there's just I think there's going to be some changes. And I, I, this one-size-fits-all thing that we may have seen over the years, and if Ed's right that people are only moving three times now rather than five, the opportunity for somebody to jump in those, you know, those gaps is obviously much, much less. And prices have gone astronomical over the last 10 years. Mm. I think people are holding on to their properties for longer as well. Mm. So, you know, when I started in this industry, people, the itch cycle, as we called it, when people would move. The what cycle, sorry? The itch cycle. Oh, right. When people would would think, I want to move, was three to five years. It's now twice that, if not longer. Um, But it's interesting, by the way, it's contract hire, not hire purchase. That's very old fashioned. Um, But in terms (laughs) of. He did save his health. But but in terms of rental, I. Well, not as old as me, and I knew that. Um, (laughs) But the fact is, um, there's nothing wrong with renting. You know, no, it, it, no, these, nothing these days, renting. if yeah. you want to work and you want to work wherever you need to work, you're going to have to rent because you can't afford to keep buying mm. unless you're unless you've got the wherewithal to buy a place, then rent it out when you go and follow the follow the work around. Mm. So why are our politicians so obsessed with like sort of, you know, we've got the social housing things that are changing where they're trying to, you know, you can't, you know, the affordable housing piece where no longer it's, you know, it's uh, you, they want to buy it rather than rent it. Why, why, why is so upset? Yeah, why are they so upset? If you want to get somebody interesting and in, get someone like Harry Downs at Fizzy Living in, you know, they, they, they are in the business of producing groovy housing for young people to live in, rental housing. Right. They provide something that's got, um, you know, washing machines in the basement. They've got... Um, uh, you know, proper Wi-Fi, broadband, yeah. Sky TV, all the yeah. sort of stuff that people want in in a, in a neat package that people will live in for years while they're working. They can live there for as long as they like. And you listen to someone like Harry talking, he will tell you that, that these 106s should be about renting. They should be providing affordable rented accommodation, yeah, not totally obsessed agree. with people yeah. wanting to, no, to buy it. And I think totally it's mad agree. what they're doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't want to spin too far on the side of of, of, of of renting because there's obviously a balance here. But, I mean, I myself rented for 20 years and I was perfectly right. happy. It enabled yeah. me to put money into my business. I could move around when I needed to mm. as my kids were growing and follow schools and that sort of thing. I didn't need to worry about it. So I think there's a real balance there. It's somewhere. a bit of a stigma, isn't it? Because these politicians seem to make it well, sound I think like renting's a bad thing. I think not... they used to be, Matt. But you just yeah. you just did made a really good little speech there about the fact that people don't own anything anymore. They mm. rent it, they stream it, they do whatever it is, you know, with their stuff. People aren't that bothered about mm. it these days. My kids couldn't. I mean, my, you know, my kids are 22. They don't even know what a mortgage is. No, they, They're not really interested. They no. just don't care. Yeah. Now, someone mentioned today, actually, we were talking to, and they said, actually, it'll be interesting to see the change when the, the young generation now actually get into their 40s when they're actually the, the power makers and the politicians and, the, and actually do they then make a switch from focusing on buying to focusing on renting. Mm. That's when you'll start to see the change. Well, I think they will, but that again comes back to the supply side. 
Mm. You know, I mean, the, but, one, but your point about those different types of properties, if you're that guy you're talking about, I think. I think that's exactly what I would want if I was a young person yeah. working living in London. You know, well, that's Community. what they do very well. But the problem with someone like like this guy who's trying to buy to rent out to these young professionals is that when he goes out to buy a building or a site to build the building, he's competing with the developers. He has a long term view with, yeah. a, with a return on capital that takes a long time to 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 ameliorate your original costs. Whereas the developer's got a one year or two year view and can afford to pay more. So he is losing out every time to the developers, and it's a very, very frustrating business. If, however, someone who was buying a block of, building a block of 400 flats could give, could give, give one, him block one block to him, yeah, that would be the ideal way mm. of doing it. And I think that, uh, but this build to rent is the really, is, is the next big thing. You know, people can build to rent. Um, well, the institutions re- might come in, might not they? Well, the institutions have been trying to come in for a long time, but they don't understand, a lot of them, how difficult it is to handle 200 assured short-hold tenants in the yeah. same building. You know, they all want a bulb change. They want to come and go when they please. They have a totally different set of um, criteria that they live by rather than the housing association type who may have two or 300 people living in a block. But yep. they're assured tenancies. They're not assured short-hold tenancies. These guys have a vested interest in not being a hassle and they have a long-term uh, right to stay there. And if you're trying to manage a building with two or 300 flats in it, that's hard work. And that's what the... That's one side of it. A lot mm-hmm. of the institutions struggle with that. The second side is building a building that is actually built to rent. Now, that may mean that you've got to have seriously industrial quality stuff in it. And, of course, a lot of people who do who, who um, develop stuff to rent it out will skimp a little bit. They'll do the stuff cheaply. They won't do it. Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> no. won't spend the money. And the build to rent requires a different yeah. mindset. You've got mm. to build stuff that's durable and will last, you know. Who gives a toss if the thing's bolted to the floor? Yeah. If it lasts ten years and it's a, it's a it may be industrial looking, but if it's if it's you know if it's built right and fits mm. and and looks as good for the third tenant as it does for the first, that's what counts. Mm. And I think there is a there's still a bit of a gap in understanding there. Yeah. So, so there's been a, a a lot of press, especially this week actually, about new build in general, and um, the fact that certain developments seem to have been just plonked somewhere without much thought and without much due diligence. Well, is, I think is, if you... Is if, that them scaremongering again? Yeah, it or is, is. It? I mean, if you read, Monty, you'll see that quite a lot of that is to do with Nine Elms, where, you know, yeah. you've got 22,000 units. And people keep saying, oh, we've got 22,000 units coming. But they're coming over 10 years. That's a long time. Mm. I mean, I know that even 2,500 a year is a lot of units. But the new homes market is very much like the second-hand market, it's a, it's a function of lo- localism and supply and demand. So yeah. you go to somewhere like Putney, where you may have four or 500 units available over the next year, that's very different from being in, in Nine Elms, where you're going to be living at a building site for a long time. Nine Elms will be fabulous when it's finished. Yeah. But it's a very easy target for people. Mm. And again, rather like we were talking about with um, lettings agents, you can tar the entire market by just giving one mm. bit of it a bad name. And I don't think New Homes is anything like Is that, that just short-term memories because of things like Thamesview and, and, uh, or Thamesmead? And, um... Well, I think it's a little bit. Don't forget that back in the uh, late 80s, a lot of people got uh, their fingers burnt when they were putting deposits on things mm. and the market fell away and they were walking away from the deposits and and you saw a very, very long-term decline in values before that. It took 10 mm. years for the prices to get back. But then again, you look outside London, forget the centre of London, prime central London, because that had a V-shaped recovery post-2008 for a whole different set of criteria. It was to do with currency yeah. and, and that sort of thing, yeah, absolutely. parking money and security. Yeah. You look outside London, prices are only now back up to nominal, nominally where they were 
in 2008. We've had 40% inflation since then. So what you've got is nominal prices just up above where they were in 2008. In real terms, it looks incredibly cheap. So it's very mm. similar to the, 2000, <clears throat> to the 1988 to 98 situation. Um, so I think there's an awful lot to be optimistic about with the property mm. market. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of... Uh, it's easy to scaremonger. Don't forget, you've got a lot of hedge funds that have been shorting some of the big housing <laughs> yeah, stocks. So they've, got, they've got a little bit of a vested interest yeah. in punting. Yeah. Shorting everything, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah they so, are shorting. So I think there's a little bit of cat and mouse <clears throat> going on here, and mm. it's not. It's nothing like as bad as people are painting it. No, I mean, Monty and I have been down down that way. You know, I've been to a few meetings down there in the... You know, the fact you're actually building some infrastructure is a good start. You know, there's a tube line going. Yeah, goodness sake, two know, so, tube lines. Yeah, yeah you've got two entrances has, exactly, in nine elms. Exactly. So there's, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're literally just shoving them in the middle of nowhere mm. with no bus service and no yeah, nothing I else. Agree. But uh, yeah, you know, I guess and and, and it's and the power station itself is going to be a, a destination, isn't it? So it's not, it it's not, will not, be, it's but not, it's going to be. It's a good ten, 10 year years. project. It yeah. is a ten year project. You yeah. know, that's 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 hard to envisage sometimes. Just a reminder that you're listening to London Calling, the property podcast from Corico, professional mortgage brokers. Um, right. The headline topic for the next few months will undoubtedly be the European referendum and the possibility of a Brexit. Uh, what effect does all this have on the housing market, both with the uncertainty leading up to it and the potential of two very different results. Are you seeing uncertainty creep in? And yeah, I mean... Is, are you worried that it, actually a Brexit will cause a whole host of issues? Uh, we've been there before with the Scottish referendum, obviously. That yeah. was perhaps not quite in the same um, camp, although, you know, arguably the Scottish referendum was had, had potentially as serious ramifications had it gone the wrong... Well, had it been a let's-get-out vote. Mm. Um, personally, I don't think there's any doubt that the that we won't get out. I think there's just too much to lose. I think the, 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 as we get nearer, the Brits will understand that leaving the European Union is too risky. But there is definitely a potential downside, I'm sure. Um, for a lot of people, they perceive part of the reason, and I think it's a minority reason, but it's a serious reason that they like London, is because um, obviously they like the safety of London, but yeah. the fact that it's in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for a lot of... Um, you know the the heads of global corporations may want may prefer to come and live in London rather than Bonn, Berlin, yeah. Paris, whatever, yeah. because they can their their business is doing a lot of um, uh, work in inside the European Union, and I think for a lot of people that if we left there would be a date there is a certain danger that that they would not come and do that. Um, but we haven't seen, other than people just waiting for the hell of it to see what's mm. going to happen. I mean, thank God it's June and not next June. Yeah, you know? I know. I mean, that is... Yeah. And yeah, I, so I suspect that's part of the middle of the European football championships. So, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to exit Europe. So we might exit on two fronts in the middle of the year. Well, I suspect we'll definitely exit on the football one, front. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> hey, have faith, have faith. When's yeah. the mayoral election? Isn't that... Surely that's in the middle of all of this stuff as well. It is. And actually, yeah, that's a very good point. We, time, we can come on to that in a minute, but because clearly there are ramifications for the housing market. But the Brexit issue is is just one of uncertainty, really. Um, mm. I mean, in, in general terms, you know, corporate London is not enjoying a good time at the moment. No. You know, dividends being cut. <clears throat> Uh, you know, the general uh, wobbles about the world economy are, are, are returning to some extent. You know, the ghosts are there to remind us of, of what it was like before. Mm. And Brexit's just another another part of that. Um, 
I think as he gets closer, the polls seem to indicate more and more that, you know, which it polls? looks like we're going to say, well, any of the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the polls, which uh, we've got it so spot on last time. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a good point, actually. Good point, Monty. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the, if, the closer we get to me, it seems, the more they point to staying in. Mm. Um, and and it, it just becomes a sort of big political football. Yeah. And, you know, we seem to be watching. I Boris. think it'll be very similar to the Scottish election where there, there'll be a lot of good talk, but actually when people sit down or go into that ballot box, I, th- I think that the fear of the unknown will, be, will be just too much. Months, though, well, I, was we? well say I don't think you will get facts story. because the problem is what, what are the facts know, if, you, if, if we leave? No, no one knows what those facts are, just like the Scottish referendum. They didn't know that the oil was going <laughs> to was going to fall through I, the floor. I, I told them that. So, you know, that... I, I find the whole thing rather funny, sort of, you get these politicians and you just know that they have got their own agendas. You know, Nicola Sturgeon wants away from Westminster but wants in with Brussels. You know, it's, it, it, they've all got their own agendas. Yeah. And, and, Boris Johnson's uh, you know, making Boris, a bid for Boris obviously leadership. wants to be a leadership. <laughs> yeah, so, pure you know, politics, meanwhile, in the middle of it, there's loads of businesses in London, small, big, large, you know, enormous mm. corporates, and, and it's affecting yeah. it's affecting people. And, and, and whether you want to invest, and it could, it could seriously affect certain parts of our economy if we're... If it we is do. extraordinary, though. I mean, you know, we've all been in, in in business for a very, very long time, and I don't think we've ever been through a period of such sustained uncertainty as we have over the last month, all of which has been caused by the politicians. And guess what colour the government is? It's blue. It's mm. phenomenal, really. Yeah. I've only ever run a business uh, in the middle of all this uncertainty, so it must be... I wonder what it's like running a business in the, when it's nice <laughs> and plain sailing. You wouldn't be happy, Matt. No. I love a regulatory change and <laughs> yeah. a politician poking his nose in. Isn't it? Yeah, we do love that. Um, so, go on then, uh, mayor election. What, uh, what well, I think, think the principal thing that, that seems to be, uh, certainly in my uh, industry, is really the question of um, affordable housing. And, and mm. what percentage, you know, at the moment it's 30, 40%. Sadiq Khan has said, no, it's going to be 50%, which which is a significant difference. I think a lot of the um, developers that I speak to have real, and the house builders in particular, have real issues with certainty. It comes back to this thing of certainty. There's yeah. been so much interference. They would like to know what they need to do. And you've got so much. You've got you've got um, community infrastructure levies. You've got mayoral levies. You've got yeah. Section One Hundred Sixes, commuted payments. You've got all this stuff that needs to be dealt with when you're buying. Um, councils and boroughs can deal differently with it. So you don't know where you stand between Lambeth, Wandsworth, mm. Southwark. You know they mm. all have their own way of doing things. And what people want is certainty. So if 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 you're an owner of a bit of land, you want to provide that that land to to make housing. Um, you want to get the best price for it, but you want to be the people who are buying it. Want to be certain of how it's going to happen. So it's it's a very confusing picture at the moment. So I would welcome whoever comes in to try and um, streamline the process. Number one, um, I think if you talk to some of the big developers, people like Barclay Homes. I mean, Barclay Homes have two. Uh, I think it's twenty two thousand plots, which they're trying to negotiate their wow. way through in the moment in Greater London, and uh, they're struggling to deliver seven or eight of those a year because of the length of time it takes to get from buying to, to turning a sod of earth. You know, it's a real big problem. Yeah. So whoever comes in needs to streamline. I think it's, um, I mean, if you look at, I, I personally, I struggle at the moment to fight to work out what Zach Goldsmith stands for. I mean, Sadiq Khan at least has said what he wants to do. Um, 
But we've got we've got we've got a massive amount of time in politics. Bearing in mind that a week's a long time in politics, we've got at least what three months. So uh, maybe Mr. Exactly. Yeah. Khan likes to flip flop on his policies, though. So having been to my my football club was uh, <laughs> went in went in a partnership with a big housing developer to put something on, and two years ago he was all for it, and then just before the uh, general election, he's um he called it. He, in. He, he, no, he was uh, he was questioning it just so that he could secure his votes from Tooting and the and the ones with the ones with people, and then you sort of laughed at yourself because Merton are trying to build houses are way under what. They're supposed to be doing the council. The mayor's given them all sorts of hell for you're not hitting your targets. Merton Council, which is a Labour council, and then um, Wandsworth are just they're getting accused of throwing wow. up flats willy nilly with nothing. With nothing. So it, there's just no joined up policy. I mean, I, you know, this is somebody that studied engineering at university and had to study all the built environment stuff and integrated transport policies, etc. And you just you just look at it and you go, there is just nothing joined up. And you're right about streamlining. It's just you know somebody needs to take control of our housing policy that cannot be touched for ten years. Get yeah. it outside of the central yeah. government, get it outside of local authorities and just say, right, we, you got targets, you have to hit and this is how you're going to do it. And that is what the Mayor of London's there for, to do. And, and I think actually, I mean, Zach, to be fair, I was being a bit disingenuous earlier. I mean, you know, he has had some very good ideas for building on rooftops and this mm. sort of thing. I mean, there are, I think, forty to 50,000 houses that could be built or dwellings that could wow. be built on top of existing housing. Blimey. Um, and that makes perfect sense it to does. do that. So good on him for saying that. Yeah. I, just, I just hope we get a lot more um, articulation on the housing situation before the election yeah articulation would be good um we, we we've seen the introduction of helped by london which is a the latest method of trying to support builders and, and people getting on the property ladder have as that and schemes like it actually worked are they are they making a difference are you seeing a lot of inquiries well they do on, make on the a difference Mom, they do make a difference but whether they're making a difference in the right way yeah. or not is entirely are debatable. They just just inflating prices further? Well, I think they're, they're, they're just inflating prices in zones sort of three to six, really. What's mm. happened is, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, D&G have been dealing with something in uh, Putney, and right. the prices there were in that sort of 660, you had sort of small two-bedroom flats at 660 to 700,000. The developer wanted to shift a few, so reduced them to 600. Right. Just post London Help to Buy. And uh, they had, I think it was 1,100 inquiries in one weekend. Wow. Because the thing suddenly dropped Blimey. to 600. Yeah. And, these, and, and this yeah. was a well-known developer. Um, and, and, of course, the natural corollary of that is that the prices then go back up over the... It's a very artificial limit. But I think what's happened is, clearly, I know this sounds ridiculous, but you can't buy much that anyone beyond a single person could occupy in mm. zones one and two, certainly, if not three. So it's zones three to six. It's when you go out to you know, Merton, uh, Wimbledon and beyond, mm. when you get beyond those areas, um, it's pushing the price of two-bedroom flats. It's got very expensive around me. You could see yeah. that so. families obviously couldn't afford to live in Battersea and uh, and areas like that and then have, have moved out towards us. I mean, you just you can tell that just by the estate agents that have sort of moved into Rains Park and stuff, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's been a real cultural shift near, near where we are. No, it's definitely made a difference. So, so I think the London Help to Buy, mm. I would question its efficacy, really. Yeah. Um, I can't see why people would need help buying those sort of things. And again, what's wrong with renting? But, you know, there's no problem with giving people a choice. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that the original help to buy a scheme helped sort of kickstart the house builders, but of course they're now making gigantic profits. I keep coming back to this one thing, which is why in 2008, when the house builders were in serious trouble, I, don't, I still don't understand why the government, instead of bailing out a bank, didn't take over one of the house builders and then they'd have mm. their own infrastructure yeah, around land bank that. and yeah. could have been building totally their houses great. for themselves. You know, yeah. If you look at the figures from, from really, from Maggie Thatcher onwards, the amount of local authority house building has mm. just been oh, zero. It's, it's, yeah, it's nothing. And you know who tomorrow are the cheapest? A government. Sorry? 
Who can borrow at the cheapest rates? Well, I know. You know mm. It's 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 it's, it's, it's really that th- there's something wrong somewhere. Yeah, I understand the 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 desire to try and make people homeowners. I mean, I, I get that, you know. But homeowning is falling dramatically. You know, it's fallen from what somewhere around seventy percent to somewhere mm. just over sixty percent. So yeah. it's really fallen very very heavily, and it looks like it's going to continue to fall. Um, and the trouble is, they seem you know it's. There was a wonderful tweet from someone this morning talking about you know would you countenance cheaper house prices if it meant that your house would fall in value as well. <laughs> so in other words, if you yeah. were trying to say to people, great, okay, we want to make housing more affordable, yeah. would you be happy to do that if it was, if it was at the expense of it your own house? Depends if I just bought your... I'd held it for t- 10 years. <laughs> well, precisely. And yeah. it was interesting that the person that did the, the tweet actually... Was, interesting Christmas. the person who did the tweet is a renter. <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless... I would, Ed, because if you go back to your point earlier, right, I, you know, we've just spent a lot of money putting an extension on ours... I might well have just thought, you know what, I'd quite like to move further towards Wimbledon or, or do the upgrade via the, via the old traditional route. But actually, it, it wasn't economically viable, you know. By the time you throw the money for the stamp duty, you know, you, you, to go from where I was, to, I'd probably have to go on from 500 to 800 plus a stamp duty, plus you're still going to have to do that. I mean, it just made no sense because you spend 100 grand on the place and yeah. you've done absolutely everything you need to do and you never had to move home. Well, I know, but you've just described why people move two, twice rather than five times. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. So, it. so if, it, if they it. were cheaper and the gaps weren't, weren't, weren't so... You probably Absolutely. would. You probably would take the punt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very difficult to see how how this is going to help keep prices yeah. at a level. You yeah. just got to build a lot of houses. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Lots of different types as well for yeah. lots of different the right types. uses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's a question that someone I asked actually in the office what uh, what questions to ask you, and this this was one I thought was quite interesting. What keeps you up at night? What, um, Don't be rude. What, <laughs> well, that's, that was my retort initially. Uh, what worries you most about the market in general this year? What's, what, well, what's your big concern? Um, I am a naturally obsessive sort of person, so I do get worms inside the head that sort of keep going around and, and, and mean you keep waking up in the night worrying about it. Um, but I think my, my concerns are more about having been in a business for a very long time and wanting to see that business survive. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying for one second there's a danger of not surviving, but I mean in terms of um, thriving, yeah. really yeah. thriving. Yeah. And and I think that the what keeps me awake at night at the moment is the is the general diminution in in the level of transactions and the mm. increasing competition in the market. You know, it's, I didn't choose to be an estate agent. Anyone that chooses to be an estate agent is mad. Well, it's know. like mortgage breakers. Well, <laughs> well at, least, at least you have to have qualifications. I mean, I yes. happen to be an FRICS, we are very highly but, but nevertheless, the majority yeah. of estate agents have no qualifications no. And, and have failed at doing something else before they go and become mm. an estate agent. I mean, no one, if you put, if you lined up a load of 18-year-olds at school and said, right, who wants to be an estate agent? You wouldn't find anybody putting their hand up. They'd all have other ideas. And then when they go off and try and do what they want to do and they don't do it, it's a great business to be in. Mm. But it's one of those things that's changed out of all proportion. You know, the the corporates are taking over. You know, there's a lot more companies being bought up by the big corporates. Mm. I think the service levels in the industry, which traditionally have been pretty high, are being undermined. You've got the mm. the advent of the online estate agents, yeah. so, so-called online agent, the sort yeah. of hybrid, which is a perfectly justifiable model and um, will take a share of the market. That's fine. So, But it's it's one of those sort of things where it's getting increasingly difficult to have fun. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of work. You know, it's become all about the money. And I think that if you combine that with the with the uh, increasing fragility of of the sort of um, position that we're in as as agents, it's a, it is sometimes enough to keep me up at night. Yeah, I think it's a changing, very changing situation. 
Matt, are you um, obviously you're, you're I'm the eternal, put, I'm the eternal optimist. I'd, I'd, well, we aim to I'd, put the fun back yeah, into mortgage breaking. I don't, breaking, I don't, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do sleepless <laughs> nights, Monty. Actually, uh, I, I genuinely yeah. don't. I that's because you drink, and I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, true, that's true, very true, Ed. Um, no, I don't. What do I worry about? I, I just wish people would leave our industry and learn something. Can we just, when we make a regulatory change, can we let it see if it works before we make another change mm. and another change and another change? I mean, mm. nobody really knows if help to buy one or two of work before we go and throw something else in. Do we need an ISA? Do we need this? Do we need that? Mm. You know, did we know, you know, the MMR was flowing through nicely? Well, can I and ask then we you get a the, question? How has, sorry to take over your position here, Mont, but That's how, okay. how has, has MMR sort of washed through? We don't has know. It... That's what I was about to come to. I, I don't think we even know the effects of MMR yet. 100% before sort of the PRA came in and then the Bank of England with, with sort of uh, loan-to-income caps and stuff. So they, that, that was all supposed to be taken care of. The MMR was carefully thought through for two and a half years, discussed between banks and mm. brokers and all industry types. And we haven't really seen whether whether that had significant difference before we had another thing thrown on us and another thing. And then we've obviously got buy-to-let changes. Mm. And I think that's a very good example. The, the, the MMR was, as Matt said, it was carefully thought through. The, the F, FCA did a really good job and it landed in a very good place and it was beneficial for, for the market, in, in my opinion, I think in our opinion. Very much so. Um, and then just as we, we were going away from income multiple caps and, and those types of things, it's all about affordability and rightly so, suddenly you get something else which is saying that actually you can't, lend more than 15% of your business at four and a half times and and then lenders of course swing the pendulum even more strict because they don't want to get near those ratios and and so you see you see other things coming in but wasn't so, the weird thing about that that talking about these high income these high multiples uh, income multiples was that I, I I read in one of the broadsheets that only nine percent of the loan book was was to those sort of people so when they suddenly said that it was to be 15, no one was to go above 15 percent suddenly that meant they had to lend more. Yeah, I'd, well, yeah, I mean, anecdotally, that's a, a lot of people said that actually the market as a whole, a lot of people were very relaxed about it on, a, on an annual basis, but this is all done quarterly. So actually what we've so seen... Absolute progress. And, yeah, yeah. And, okay. and as house prices have risen, yeah. especially in areas like London, uh, a lot of people want to push their income up a bit more. Um, so, so they're getting closer to the, to the four and a half times and the 15% uh, a lot quicker. Than they might have yeah, done in like, the past. No, okay, that but then sense. we've what we know, but but the MMR sort of has unintended consequences, isn't it? You end up with, even though they've got transitional rules of trapped, trapped yeah, which lenders are ignoring. They haven't really fixed that. Um, I would suggest that Mont, something Monty's been going out for a long time is, um, you know, lending into retirement or lending to older people. I mean, how on earth can you consider somebody old at fifty, which is essentially where we were getting to? I mean, it's, it, there's so much meddling. We don't really know what, whether one thing worked or another, and that's oh, us. Know. As somebody who studied engineering, I find it ludicrous that you you know you, you normally wait for the bridge to fall down before you work out. Well, so, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you stop throwing more and more and more cars on it. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it, it just makes no logical mm. sense. So, so the porting thing is still an issue, is it? Yeah, you're effectively starting again, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they'll underwrite it from your position you're in now, and obviously the government is changing end of retirement ages. Yet the lenders sort of won't, are, won't, won't are, adjust accordingly. Won't adjust accordingly, but but are slowly to be fair to them are are, are now adjusting. But yeah. you know, it's 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 all. We well, need... I had that issue myself, uh, Matt. I mean, you know, I'm 56 as I just said, and I just I've just remortgaged. And, you know, the moment you start saying, if you put the wrong tick in the wrong box, when do you want to retire? Seventy. Oh, sorry, mate, can't give you mortgage. What did you say? 
65, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I why mean, you need a good mortgage yeah, yeah. broker in. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> it is crazy, it is crazy. Silly. Mm. Um, well, I think we're just about out of time. Well, I think we covered a lot there. <laughs> so, so, there's uh, some fantastic stuff in there, Monty. I think Ed's, Ed's brought out some things that I didn't even know about. So Well, Ed always we, does. He's a got very some, knowledgeable chap. Yeah, we've got some, yeah. we've got some research to go and do on one of these funky <laughs> houses. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I'm going to check that out. Um, that was uh, Fizzy Living. Fizzy Living. Yeah, fizzy yeah. Living. Right, Good well, man. there you go. There's another plug. Um, so thank you, Ed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more topical chat. And as ever, any comments or requests for topics for future episode, please feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Corico or through our website at corico.co.uk. Until next time, this is London Calling. <laughs> <laughs>